Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 25, Andrew Yang 2024. Andrew Yang has hinted at running as a third-party candidate in 2024. Would you vote for Andrew Yang and why or why not? So I definitely want to get uh, some calls in here. So I'm not sure how closely everyone has been following this, but Andrew Yang actually had an interview recently at an event in Nevada. It appears that he's trying to get something going for ranked choice voting uh, in Nevada. I believe that they actually have this as a ballot initiative coming up for the month of November this year. But during that interview, Andrew Yang said, that if Joe Biden and Trump run in 2024, Andrew Yang said that he will run as a third party candidate. And I did go over some of the policies for the forward party. He would run through the forward party. And I just want to get people's opinion about that. Like, how do you guys feel about the possibility of Andrew Yang? So again, he would be running as a third party candidate. My concerns, I think, that I have with Andrew Yang is that I did notice on his platform, and if anyone's more familiar with Forward Party, please let me know. Some of the policies on his platform, a lot of them seem to be centered around a different type of capitalism. But to me, it's obvious that Andrew Yang is still a capitalist. The other issue that I noticed is that when I went through the core principles that were on the Ford Party's website, I noticed there wasn't anything mentioned about Medicare for all or universal health care. So that was really concerning to me. I'm not sure where Andrew Yang stands on that issue, but I think that this is one of those things where... (sighs) You know, there is no such thing as a perfect candidate, correct? Tyrell Ventura mentioned this recently when he came on that there isn't going to be a candidate that has every single thing that you want. So do you think that that would be something that you're willing to compromise if someone like Andrew Yang was willing to to run here? And I asked that because I don't think that Andrew Yang is for Medicare for all. I could be wrong, but last I checked, I don't think he's for that policy. I think that he agrees that there should be improvements with the healthcare system, but I haven't heard what those improvements should be. So that's kind of concerning to me. And that's like one of the big issues that I have, like for policy is Medicare for all. Like you have to fix this healthcare system. The other issue that I've ran into with Andrew Yang, and I don't know how everyone feels about this either, but... He definitely came across to me as a Zionist. I am not. Um, you know, I am for, you know, I stand with Palestine. I think those of us at RBN have been very vocal about that. Andrew Yang, when he was running for mayor, he mentioned his support for Israel. So that was another concern uh, for me that I have. Um, the other issue with him is that he is not in favor of releasing Julian Assange. Andrew Yang believes that Julian Assange actually should be punished for his crime. So I want to go ahead and start taking some calls here. I see we have Mary lined up. So Mary, I'm going to go ahead and make you the next caller and you just have to unmute. Hi, Sabby. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for 
uh, letting, you know, helping me <laughs> talk to you, you know? <laughs> yeah, this um, can be incriminating sometimes. <laughs> yeah, now they have like a little thing that just says unmute, so you don't have to just keep hitting that microphone. So, yeah. Um, so I read Andrew Yang's book, Forward. Um, anyway, um, I think it's a really good book. And um, I thought, I think his ideas are excellent. I think he's a very honorable person, comes across as I think the person he is. Uh, very intelligent. And I think that I understand all the things that you were pointing out. And here's what I would say to those things. Um, I can't speak to the Zionist thing as much as I would say that I don't think that Andrew Yang is really, you know, an intensely Zionist person. I think running in New York, being that it is a very strongly Jewish um, community there, it's very difficult to, you know, display any kind of, you know, pushback on Israel, even though, of course, the Palestinian-Israel issue is very, very serious. Um, and the Palestinians are very much being, um, you know, treated terribly there. Um, so, can you still hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, okay. So, going on to Medicare for All and et cetera. I'll just give you an example of what I think is going on in healthcare in America. Um, when uh, Obamacare was created and passed, it was basically written by insurance company lobbyists, lawyers, and, um, you know, um, prescription drug companies. It was written by the corporations that run, you know, medicine, which is unfortunate. But it was the only way Obama could get it, you know, created. And um, so it's quite flawed. And it's good that they've made it so that they cannot kick you off insurance or refuse you due to you having, you know, a medical condition. Um, so that is a real win. But the problem is that we have an extremely aging society. You know, we have a huge boomer population and, you know, some that are still alive from a little older at, that are unfortunately still running the country because those people were born in World War II. Please remember Joe Biden was born in World War II. Shocking, but true. Um, anyway, the problem is that Andrew Yang, I'm sure, understands. He probably knows people in medicine. Um, my roommate, her parents came from Mexico, never went past the sixth grade, emigrated to the United States. She was born in, you know, Mexican community and managed to make herself a doctor. She is a doctor of internal medicine. She works at hospital that is caters to the poor side of Chicago. Um, so there are many doctors. She is not a millionaire. She probably never will be a millionaire. She has massive student debt. And so it is not like these doctors are waltzing around with the kind of money they used to make in medicine. It's just not happening. In fact, they're ending up with a lot of student debt. So they're not the ones running the show by any means. 
It is being run by these medical insurance companies and prescription drugs, et cetera. And it's turned into quite a terrible system. Um, so I would just have to say that I think Andrew Yang understands that there are steps that need to be taken. I'm sure he wants medicine for all. But as people have pointed out, and this I'll make this my last point. I don't want to keep you forever. Um, the other day I was listening to someone talk about medicine. You know, they have in Canada the, you know, everyone gets health care and et cetera. Well, their system is one where you break your ankle. Well, you're on a three-year wait list for getting actual care that will fix the ankle. Seriously. Um, what people do with money, and I've been told this by a Canadian, um, they buy they buy insurance in the United States, and they go to the United States for care. They do it all the time. But when people talk about Medicare for all, they talk about it like this, this, this ideal life that just instantly, you know, turns into like a nirvana. It just does not exist. Um, it may exist in some smaller countries in Europe. I don't know. But it does not exist in Canada. And so I think that there are issues and not that it shouldn't be our goal as a country. It most certainly should be. But until you change some of the problems we have in our government and the corruption and where the money is going right now, which is to wars and doing uselessly awful things overseas, um, we're not going to have the money for that. So I appreciate you letting me talk and thank you very much, Abby. Thanks so much for uh, calling in, Mary. This is really interesting because this is actually similar to what uh, Joe Rogan said last year, why he changed his opinion about Medicare for all. Because Joe Rogan said he actually talked to doctors and doctors that he spoke to said we wouldn't be able to do it because of exactly the reasons that you just gave right there. And so that's really interesting. Um, I, I actually like if in my dream world, I would like for us to have something similar to what the UK has. They have a nationalized uh, healthcare system and they don't seem to have these types of issues. Like I have a friend that lives in UK right now and, you know, he was telling me, he's like, he doesn't understand why we don't have this system in the United States because he's just like, if I go to the doctor, I don't have a bill. Like he's just, he said, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, I mean, the women over there in reference to maternity leave, like they're getting like nine months maternity leave and their job is still waiting for them when they returned. Yeah. I've, I've heard that about Europe. They have a family um, leave type situation or um, I'm sorry, um, you know, program. And that's very, very helpful and very good. And I agree with you. It would be nice. But the problem is, is that a lot of this has been warped by corporations. The problem we have, and I'm sure you agree with this, corporations are deciding our laws. Corporations are deciding what goes on in medicine and how much money goes flooding into our Pentagon and all this other stuff. This is tragic and terrible, but until we get people who really sincerely want to change the system, um, we can't get there. We can't have we can't have these pipe dreams um, be achieved. They are pipe dreams in a system we're running with now, and we need radical change. So I I don't think we need radicals. 
We need radical change. But it's going to come about by people who have the sense. And one thing Andrew Yang said in his book, and I would highly recommend it, he said, it isn't going to be enough to get some people elected to Congress. They aren't going to be able to do anything. They are powerless against the entire structure that is set up for the leadership. And the leadership of both sides will fight any kind of change. So he said, we have to have this ranked choice voting and we have to have open primaries and you have to allow the American public to choose. It can't be like, oh, well, here's the Democrat, here's the Republican. If we don't get a third party, we're sunk. We've got to have someone outside of that system and a party that de- that develops around the system, I do believe the American public has had it, just had it with both parties. And if we could have that, I think people would flood to that party and they would get at least a third of the American voters. And that would definitely put them, you know, where they are competitive and could win. I think and Yang could win. I do. Thank you. much for calling in mary i'm gonna grab um hashtag okay. four here you. in a second uh yeah this is see i didn't realize like Andrew Yang has said that um i will have to check out his book i would really like to have this conversation with him as well um i've had a really difficult time finding or trying to find a contact person for him um but i would really like to have this conversation with him because this is someone who you know <laughs> Unlike Bernie Sanders, Andrew Yang, you know, he's run for office twice like Bernie Sanders. But unlike Bernie Sanders, he's like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore through the Democratic Party. Like we we have to get out of this two party system. And so I do I will say this about Andrew Yang. At least he has the courage to say, you know what? I'm starting a third party. And at the time I was like, is this really going to be a thing? But apparently so. And they're already getting on like from what I've seen. They're going to different states and they're already trying to get on the ballot in all these different states. Like he's going in person and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's doing he's essentially doing what I think a lot of us wanted MPP to do. And this party, what he just announced this party last year, they're already traveling state to state, having these meetings with the people. He's already got people like, you know, basically organized (laughs) on the ground. So. It's just there there are good things I like about Andrew Yang. I like the the idea of a universal basic income. I think that would have really helped people out during the pandemic. And then there are some things about like, you know, with Andrew Yang that I'm unsure about. I would really need for him to talk more about his plan for health care, because I think that's the big one for a lot of people, especially right now with the pandemic. Um, And from what I've seen, I don't see this going away. There's just more variants that are coming out. So I think this is always going to be an issue, maybe not to the point that it was like two years ago, but we have to do something with the with the healthcare system. So thanks so much, Mary. I'm going to go ahead and take uh, no war here. OK, no war. You are on the mic. What's up, Savvy? Early, uh, early show today. What's up? Thanks so much. Hey, so, you know. Medicare for all. Medicare is the most popular healthcare health insurer in the in the country. I want to refute a little bit of what or 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 say 
many things that contrast with what Mary just said. Um, Medicare for All is a program to have uh, funding through the government rather than through private insurance companies, which basically cuts out a lot of administrative costs wherein large health insurance companies are are sucking up massive amounts of healthcare dollars. The money's there whether we're spending money on war or not. And I agree with changing priorities in this country and not wasting money on war and and, and doing things that help people and don't exacerbate violence around the world, which is what the military does. But the dollars are there. We spend the dollars regardless of whether the, mili- the government funds the military or not. That's just how it is. We fund a massive healthcare system in this country, and a large amount of that goes to waste in the form of enriching insurance executives, hospital executives, and, and, and corporations that work in that nature and just suck money off the top. The money's there, regardless. So, like, like, I, you know, additionally, uh, in general, Canada does not have three-year waiting list to address a broken ankle. That's just, that is a, a, a fallacy that has been, maybe somebody had some bad experience, but that is, in general, not how the Canadian system works. It just isn't. So, you know, I just wanted to say those things first. Secondly, on the subject of the show, Andrew Yang, the guy's got a lot of problems. And the forward party has been, for my understanding, according to what I've heard from Kishama Sawant and, and Jill Stein, uh, the forward party is funded by corporate donations. No party that's funded by corporate donations is going to be a party that I support. Period. End of story. No, like, no. Hard no, that corporations do not have my interest at heart. Corporations have one interest at heart, and that is to maximize their profit. Any party that they're donating to isn't a donation. It's an investment with an expected return on profit. And so Andrew Yang's, and, and you know, of, amongst other things, Andrew Yang's position on Israel when he was running for mayor of New York City is abhorrent and and reprehensible and 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 uh, and that writes him off. You know, just on that, that writes him off for me. So I just want to say those things. I think it's important. And Mary, with all due due respect, I hear you on some of what you said, but some of this stuff I I just don't agree with, and I I think factually is is not uh, supported. So um, not to be too pointed towards anyone. Okay, thank you for that. No war. Um, yeah, this is so. If if you look on the forward party website, because like I looked at the website and I, I kind of went through it, and I just th- the funding was difficult for me. Like that's what I was saying with the funding. I didn't see anything on there about who was funding that party. Now I did see uh, a section where they are asking for donations from people, but that still doesn't tell me who's funding the party. And that's suspect to me. And I know Andrew Yang, you know, is entrepreneur. And I know he has a lot of friends in tech and Silicon Valley. But it's just, 
if you are having this party funded by corporate money, then essentially, aren't you doing the same thing that the two-party system is doing that you're complaining about? Exactly. We don't need another corporate party, right? Like, we don't. We have two corporate parties. We don't need a third one. That's not going to fix anything. Right. Like, that's that's another concern. It just, I, I mentioned the Israel part as well. Like, that one was is a red flag for me, and I know for some others as well. Um, and I just, I don't know, man, I, I really, I, I don't know about this. Like, I think it just, I, I think the biggest mistake taking the corporate money is going to be a problem. You need to have a solid plan for what you want to do with healthcare that needs to be on the website. Like that can't be something that I ask after I've went through the website and I'm like, okay, what's the plan for healthcare? And there's, I shouldn't have to ask that question. Um, and so that's that's an issue. And then the other thing, I think that, you know, one other thing that was uh, mentioned on that website is that Andrew Yang said this party is going to consist of people who are Democrat, Republican, Libertarians, Independents. But I'm like, but if you're third party, why are why are you bringing in Republicans and Democrats? The, I don't get it. Exactly. Yeah. I I mean to some extent there are people that are kinda kinda shoehorned into the Republican and Democratic parties that maybe especially on the Democratic side agree with us on, on some issues. And some of them are favorable. I don't find many Republicans to be favorable on on economic issues, on some other issues, on most economic issues, maybe on a few here and there. Yeah. But you know, um, uh, I had one other thing and I completely forgot it. So, well, well, my understanding is that Republicans don't like big government. So, if Republicans don't like big government, then that means that I don't see the forward party having having some things on its platform like free uh, public college, right? Which is one of the things that. Oh. Bernie Sanders is running on, right? So free public college. I don't see, I won't see, I don't think we'll see them having something like that. See, that's the thing. So it's like, I just, I, I don't know. I would need to know more about this party. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. I wish I could remember what I had to say because I think I had a good point, but I've forgotten and you got a couple people in here. So I'll let you go, Savvy, but thank you for your time today. All right. Thanks so much. No war. Okay. We're going to go ahead and bring in Amanda. You're on the mic. Hello, Miss Abby. Nice to be on with you. I'm sorry I missed the first half of the show, so I hope I don't repeat things that people have said already. Oh, no worries. Except for this. I hope somebody's already thanked you for having this forum here to have this discussion. So thank yeah, you for thank that. You. Thank you. Um. <clears throat> So I kind of look at a run by Andrew Yang in kind of a similar way that I look at the Bernie Sanders 2016 campaign in that he can bring, he can put pressure from the left on some issues. I'm not going to say he's a perfect candidate. I'm also going to say he's probably not going to win. 
but he can put pressure on both Republicans and Democrats. And if he recruits both Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians to vote for him, that's votes he's taking away from Republicans and Democrats when it comes to the election. And the primaries are not going to be a place where he will be in competition with Democrats or Republicans in most states. Some states have nonpartisan primaries like Washington state, but for the most part, it'll be a November race. And if he can, if he's, he's already run for president once. So he knows some of the rigors because he was in it at the beginning. And I think that he could probably bring forward some of those lefty issues. If, if those are truly what is part of his platform, but I'd vote for the guy just for the fact that I don't want to vote for a Republican or a Democrat. And, and unless the Greens can pull off an amazing run in 2024, and I don't even know who they're putting up yet. I, I, I just see that as one that, that Andrew Yang provides us with an opportunity to, to say something to the people in Washington, DC. So. The other thing is, I, I in terms of corporate money, I, I hear the reservation, but I also think that we can't evaluate the corporate money that's coming into the forward party in the same way as the corporate money that goes into the Democrats or the Republicans. The forward party has not yet proven that they will only listen to corporations. That doesn't mean that they will listen to people and not just the corporations, but I think if they're going to make a good faith effort to to launch an attack against the two major parties, they need to have big money behind them to even be able to get on all of the ballots in all of the states. I've said a whole bunch, so I'm going to shut up and hear what you have to say. So this is uh, those are good points as well. And, And one thing I do want to ask you know, when he announced that he was starting this party, it was also like it was in conjunction with a book. So at the time, I was just like, okay, is this really happening or is this just is this just something he's saying so you can go buy the book? <laughs> so uh I am impressed by how fast this party is moving because like I said, if you look at a party like well, it's not a political party, but if you look at moving for a people's party. That's been around for five years and that has not moved to the same speed that obviously forward is moving. Like I said, there he's already going state by state, having meetings with people, you know, starting like groups on the ground for forward party. He's already in Nevada uh, talking to them about the ranked choice voting to get more people to come out and support that uh, in November, which is going to be on the ballot. And I honestly think at the pace that he's moving right now, they could actually have candidates on the ballot by 2024. So the question that I have is, why do you think that he is able to to move as quickly as he is? Well, first, I would like to be able to ask him directly that not in front of the media, but just personally, because it is kind of amazing how much momentum that he has going forward. But I think that what he's doing is he's showing what happens when there's somebody who's a leader, who has a vision of what he thinks that things should, what things need to happen. And because he has a vision and he's described it and he has surrounded himself with people who know how to do the work, I think that that's what's happening. You're seeing a leader 
with a vision and a bunch of people that want to help him get to that vision. That's my, that's my guess. I don't know him and I'm not part of his campaign. So I don't know. Interesting. Well said. Well said. All right. Thanks so much for calling in, Amanda. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Rodrigo. I want to get your take on this. Would you vote for Andrew Yang and, and why or why not? Hey, Savvy. Uh, no, I wouldn't. I think Andrew Yang is very, I think he's actually very nefarious. Um, well, the first thing I wanted to bring up is I know he's talking about ranked choice voting, but I actually want to get your opinion on this. Um, doesn't the U- New York City mayoral race have ranked choice voting already? And they got to test it out this last election. And at the end of the day, you still got a bunch of corporate choices to choose from. So it seems to me that ranked choice voting was still like, unless you get the money out of politics, it, it would be kind of the same, not too much different from the system we have now. What do you think about that? So I know with the New York City mayor race, um, I wasn't aware that they were ranked choice voting, but I know that they had, uh, Diane Morales was running uh, at one point. She was pretty much the left candidate, to be honest. Like her platform um, was just full of like left policies. Unfortunately, something happened with her campaign. I don't know, you know, what started all of this, but she got hit pretty bad with smears. Uh, with her campaign. And this is someone, by the way, like Diane Morales, she was on The View. She was on, she actually was brought on to mainstream media to talk about her campaign, which is not something we're pretty much used to hearing. And something happened. Something happened with her campaign later on where people were like, I know one of the things that came up was that people found out that she had supported Cuomo, I guess in the past, whatever. And so people like that, like there was all these different things that came up and then her campaign just died. And it's, it's unfortunate because that was actually back when, um, I had Chris Smalls on and I actually asked him that question, who would you support for the New York City mayor race? And Chris Smalls put his support behind Diane Morales because she supports the workers and she's actually been fighting with the workers on the ground. So she kind of was that person, but her campaign unfortunately got hit. And I think, that's kind of what opened up that lane for all the corporate uh, people to come in. And it just, I mean, like, I don't know. I look back on it and I think to myself, I felt like Andrew Yang should have been able to beat Eric Adams. I really do. Like, I don't know what happened there either. Cause at one point I thought Andrew Yang was like leading in, in the polls for New York. Um, and the next thing I knew, like Eric Adams has started to creep up and he's the mayor now. And a lot of people are complaining about him, including people who voted for him. So, you know, again, money talks, (laughs) money talks. I also know New Yorkers tend to like to have someone who's actually, uh, from New York. That's kind of a big thing there. I remember I was there in New York when Hillary Clinton announced that she was going to run and I remember protesters having signs said, you're not from here. New York works for New York. Um, so that could have been a, a factor for Andrew Yang. But it is kind of surprising that he didn't beat Eric Adams. I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm just uh, 
worry about because you know the Ford Party wants ranked choice voting, but they're never advocating to get the money out of politics. So I think that uh, I guess I don't see it as much of a revolutionary change if you don't get the money out of politics, but you you get ranked choice voting. I think we'd get a lot of still a bunch of corporate people. You, you would just have more options for corporate people, I guess. And uh, the, the other thing I wanted to bring up real quick, um, if you do have Andrew Yang on your on your show, I definitely would like to, to see that video. I think you would press him a lot more harder than any mainstream media outlets. Um, but the one thing I really, that stuck, that really woke me up to Andrew Yang was, um, Andrew Yang took a lot of money from Kenneth Griffin, who was the, the CEO of Citadel. And I don't know if you followed the GameStop scenario last year, Savvy, but uh, essentially Citadel colluded with the CEO of Robinhood to prevent a bunch of small investors from from buying GameStop uh, shares, uh, which would have meant that it would have kept GameStop's uh, share price high and um, Citadel would have lost a lot of money because of it. Um, so that was kind of a a very ch- cheating way of like keeping the the hedge funds, which were represented by Citadel, in like to keep their share, to keep them from losing money. And that same person donated a lot of money to Andrew Yang. Uh, I'm sorry, that was a uh, if you don't follow the stock market, that's uh, I guess as frequently as uh, it might not be uh, in anybody's radar, but. Uh, the fact is, uh, this was kind of a situation where a bunch of rich people were on the verge of losing money, and the the face of that was Kenneth Griffin, and that same person donated to Andrew Yang's campaign in the, in the New York City mayoral race. And I think it was kind of revealed how much Andrew changed, because in that race, he never advocated for uh, the freedom dividend as much as he did in the presidential race. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think that uh, this is a clear example where Andrew Yang clearly had the ears of of the rich people instead of like the small, uh, regular everyday folks. So I, I am suspicious of him. So I hope that made sense. Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. I do remember that whole fiasco that happened with GameStop uh, last year. And this is the thing that I'm I'm worried about with, with someone like Andrew Yang is like, you know, he, he is corporate, but he, he doesn't claim not to be, <laughs> you know, he doesn't claim that he's not corporate. Um, So at least he's upfront about that. But again, it's just like, where, where do you draw the line when it comes to like me? I would say, no, you don't take corporate money at all. But for some people, it's like, well, no, you just need to draw the line a little bit. I talked to Chris Hedges about that recently, and he said there's no such thing as a safe pack. They're all corrupt. So, um, I mean, these are all good questions. Like, these are, we need to be having these conversations. Um, but we also, you know, we have to pay attention to, like you said, where's the money coming from? Who are they in, in bed with, essentially? Like, like I said, I know Andrew Yang. He knows a lot of people in tech. I mean, he doesn't hide that. And I think that this is something that we need to be wary of. But thanks so much for calling in, Rodrigo. Thank you, Savvy. All right, let's go ahead and bring in Rudy. You are the next caller. 
What's up, Savvy? How you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, for me, I would not vote for Andrew Yang. I think Andrew has revealed himself to be pretty compromised. Um, and people that are pretty bad on the Israeli thing, I just don't trust them. I think there's just so many sort of ways that that position is just like unhealthy for labor here, rights here, outside as well. I, so that's one thing. Um, I thought at some point that Andrew, you know, he's a corporate type, but like one of those libertarians that has a really bad sort of blind side, but like really believes in what they're talking about until he basically didn't support Bernie Sanders or Tulsi when he said that he would support them. Uh, we would support basically anybody that would uh, come out in favor of um, basically this, the, what was it, the stipend that the government would give. So um, once he basically didn't come out in support of Tulsi, and Tulsi actually did come out in support of it. Bernie didn't come out in support of this um, government, the thing that... Um, Andrew was pushing for, but Tulsi did. And so later on, he basically said, you know, I didn't think that Tulsi would win or any of that stuff, but he really just said, that's the only thing I cared about when he was dropping out. And, you know, he, he went back on his word a lot of times, and I really just see somebody that's going to be like a, the next Obama. Um, he's going to drone in the Middle East, no problem. He's going to... Um, it, the, the military budget is a big thing. What do you think? Yes, that was another thing too. I didn't see anything on the website about foreign policy. So that was another one for me, another flag. Um, I know, yeah, you're right. Andrew Yang did not come out uh, in support of Bernie. He came out in support of Joe Biden. Uh, Tulsi did too, you know, there at the end. It's just, they're all just... Yeah, I don't care about Tulsi at all. It's just saying... Yeah. Very much. Yeah. So it's just, it's really sad in a sense, but I think that, you know, um, I think it's, it's, it will be really, really telling. That's interesting. You brought up uh, Obama because I think I could kind of see that in a sense. I mean, other than the fact that Andrew Yang realizes that the two party system is a problem, whereas Barack Obama did not. Or he maybe he did, but he wouldn't say that. He's not going to admit it. Um, but I, I will say I do see him doing something that Bernie Sanders did not have the courage to do. And he's just like, look, I tried this twice already. I think the problem is the system. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> we need to get out of this two-part system. I think he's found a niche. Basically, he's positioned himself in case there has to be a third party. I think, you know, he sort of fits into the Obama mold. They know that he's not going to rock the boat, you know, and these, he's going to get a lot of money in that position he's at. You know, we already see it. Um, but I think the money is always going to be more of a downfall than a, like a good. I think I see it almost like the Black Lives Matter thing where, it Black Lives Matter got big, and I just wonder how big it got 
because of the money versus because of the people on the ground. Because the, the media was with it, you know, like pushed it and, you know, helped it on, but, you know, to its downfall, I think. And I think the money that's going to be helping Andrew out is it's it's poisoned i don't think anything's gonna come out of it i think we're gonna get distracted unfortunately um i'm just i'm gonna stick with the green party i i wanted to ask you right because you made the point that the green or somebody made the point that we don't know who the green party representative is gonna be yet um do you see any advantage to basically bring Oh, I'm sorry, Rudy. I think you cut out there at the end. Uh, you were saying, do I see an advantage to what? Uh-oh. I think we lost Rudy. Oh, no. Um, let's see. I'm going to try to, yeah, I think we lost uh, Rudy. Um, but I, I think I kind of know where he was hinting at here in reference to like the Green Party and us not knowing like who they plan to run, if they plan to run someone. I honestly think that um, the Green Party needs to run someone that has, I would say, large name recognition. Like it can't be a Howie Hawkins, you guys. No more Howie. <laughs> no more how we we need someone that people actually have heard of before you know like that's why i asked chris hedges when he was on like would you run 2024 but i mean if you guys those of you saw that interview you heard his answer <laughs> um but it would need to be someone like like a chris hedges someone like a cornell west someone like and here's the thing about the green party i don't think you can just wake up one day and say, hey, um, I want to run for president and I want to run under the Green Party ticket. That's not how it works for the Green Party. If you're not a part of the Green Party, I don't think they're going to let you run. I think I had this conversation with Jill Stein before. Like, They really want you to be a part of the party and not just like think that you can just run on their platform just because of who you are. So they might be more particular about that. That being said, I don't know of a lot of people that have large name recognition that are a part of the Green Party. I would have to look into that. But it would need to be someone like that. Like like Jimmy Dore said, he would like someone like him to run. So somebody that a lot of people know. I mean, it just you you would have to have that in order to really like be successful. For example, someone like Ralph Nader was well known. Like Ralph Nader had name recognition, right? So imagine if, and I don't think he's going to do this, but imagine if Ralph Nader were to try to run today, he's even more known now than he was back then. So somebody big, somebody huge, but Jesse Ventura, like somebody that everybody knows, you know? But I also think the Green Party has to want to win. And sometimes I feel like they don't want to win. Like when it comes to the national level, because again, I just think Howie Hawkins was a bad choice. That's just <laughs> up to me. I don't know. I mean, maybe someone like Dario could run again, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in uh, Sam here. Who's our next uh, caller. 
Hello, Sam. You just have to unmute. Hey, Savvy, can you hear me? I can. Hello. What's going on? Hello there. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Huh. Well, I'll just say what I was going to say, and uh, hopefully people are listening. I think uh, one of the things that I had heard brought up a couple of times in this conversation was, you know, how come Andrew Yang and his forward party seems to have it so together and to be getting so much done and that the Green Party or any other third party can't seem to get it together. And I think I can answer these two questions in my analysis with kind of one question of my own, which is who has power? Uh, Who benefits? Uh, Follow the money. I mean, that's three things, but it's really all the same thing, which is to say that, you know, if you look at what Chris Hedges says all the time, that we live in an inverted totalitarian society, where instead of the state controlling the corporations, the corporations control the state. Uh, what you have is that, you know, where's Andrew Yang's funding com- coming from? Well, it's probably coming from corporations. And thus, he's not an actual threat to the people who control the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And so you don't see the same pushback you see uh, against those against people running in the Green Party. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Brianna Joy Gray's podcast, Bad Faith, but she recently had on, uh, I think it's uh, Matthew Ho, who's running in South Carolina for the Green Party, and he talked about how the Democratic Party basically illegally kicked him off of the ballot in that state, and yeah, he's not suing to try to get back on the ballot, but it likely won't yeah. be done in time for the election. Uh, yeah, at the same time, uh, you know, Jill Stein was on that podcast talking about how the Democratic Party is still suing her, uh, coming after her, trying to um, get her to return election or campaign funds spent on her campaign, trying to bankrupt her for daring to oppose them. In 2016. So I think it's just a question of when you mount a real opposition to the powers that be, then you're going to face real opposition from those powers. And another question as far as, uh, you know, the Democrat or the uh, forward party having that leadership is that it seems to be the forward party is run by Andrew Yang. And that's why you know, he has the autonomy to be able to, you know, make decisions on his own about that party. Whereas, you know, the Green Party has a a party primary, which is how they choose their, you know, representatives. And I would say, you know, if it's a, I think that their unwillingness to surrender their democracy is not necessarily a bad thing, and that if we want them to be running a candidate we find more attractive to us, we should probably just register as Greens and, you know, vote for the people we think have a chance of winning. Uh, that's all I say. Hope hope that was heard. I don't know if I'm being heard or not. Yeah, we, we can hear you. Um, I'll put in the chat, too, that we can hear you. A um, couple things. Uh, 
Matthew Ho, yeah, he's running in North Carolina, or was running in North Carolina. Yeah, I had him on. Um, he, you know, what they're doing to him, this isn't the first time they've tried to pull this kind of move. I did talk to Jill when she was here for Ron Bacone's show. I talked to her in person. That was one of the questions we did ask her is like, you know, would she run again? And she said like for 2024, and she said she's still dealing with the lawsuit. Uh, from last time. So I think, you know, the way that they go about doing these things, it's just so, it's so corrupt. It's really weird because Matthew Hull was kind of making the rounds. Like when I had him on my show, this was literally the week before the North Carolina Democratic Party pulled that stunt with him. It was literally the week, the week before. And he was going on to different shows. Like he was on uh status coup. He was on, um, JB show on um, RBN, a revolutionary blackout network. He was on my show. He was on like, not everybody was bringing him on, but then it was like, after the democratic party did what they did, then it was like more people wanted to bring him on. And I think what we need to change is that we should be promoting these third party and independent candidates, regardless if there is a scandal attached to their campaign, we should be promoting them the same way we had promoted those progressive candidates that ran through the Democratic Party. And that was my biggest frustration, I think. And those of us over at RBN, when we were watching that panel where they had those donations coming in and they were doing the panel promoting the progressive candidates, we were like, where are the third party candidates? Matthew Ho should have been on that on that stream, you know, and not just him, Delilah Barrios, who's running you know, as a green for governor in Texas, Delilah should have been on that stream. These are all people that we've had on like our channels, like the smaller channels are more likely to bring them on. But had more people, had they been given that platform, a larger platform attention from the time that they announced that they were running, more people would have known about them. And I think it's just a little unfortunate that like... <laughs> More people are finding out about Matthew Ho now, not because of his platform, not because of the work that he's done, but because the Democratic Party is playing games here and is basically being corrupt to prevent him from being on the ballot. He should have been given attention just for having the campaign as well, not just because the Democratic Party came in and tried to do something corrupt. And I think that's the problem that I have. We should be giving just as much attention to those third party and independent candidates because look, this is the way it's going. Like, what did the poll say recently? The majority of Americans want a third party. Like people, so many people are just walking away from the system. And I have someone coming on Monday. It's a surprise. So I'm not going to tell you guys, but you'll find out soon. I have someone coming on Monday that <laughs> I'm really going to tell them about this. I'm really going to tell them about just how how much the Democratic Party and this entire two party system has failed the working class and they failed poor people in this country and people have had it and they're done. And I think I have Amanda uh, coming back. So I'm going to go ahead and make you the next caller. Amen to all of what you just said. Amen. And and. How do we how do we do how do we do that? We I mean you named off some people that I I haven't heard of and I've been trying to look into some of this so that we can like I have zero platform, 
but but how can we lift these people i mean like we need to somehow get organized and maybe maybe you mean when you say we you're talking about rbn which is great and that's great organizing but i just i i i i'm fully on board and i know a lot of other people that i've specifically spoken to who who want to do that organize in a way that gives people the opportunity to see the third parties and the other progressive alternatives to what the corporate parties are putting forward i, I just do you have ideas about doing that because i mean there's a lot of people at the starting line ready to for the for the you know starting signal to happen absolutely so one of the things we did is we had a third party summit on rbn and we brought on a lot of these people. Um, the guy, there was a guy, I think they kicked him off the ballot. He was running against AOC as a third party candidate. They got rid of, they did the same thing in New York City. They didn't want him running in her district. So it's like we had him on. We had like, um, Jose Cortez, who's third party candidate in California. There were a lot of them, uh, that came on. Teddy, uh, came on. He's running third party in Virginia. Princess Blanding has been on. So we did that. But the problem is, is that we don't have, we don't have hundreds and thousands of subscribers. So people who see it were mainly people who were already a part of our audience and maybe a couple of new faces. Um, what I think should happen again is I, I honestly think we could do something like that again, or maybe I could do something like that on my show and have the ones who are who haven't had their races yet still come on and present them to people again. But like, for example, Delilah Barrios is on my show once a month for the women's panel. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of another one that was on Oh, Princess Blanding. She actually went viral on Twitter last year because she showed up to the debates and they wouldn't let her debate as a third party candidate. And again, that was a viral video. But only people with the smaller channels brought her on. So I think what needs to happen, you guys as the viewers, I think you need to like, since you're a part of their audience as well, I think you need to put pressure on those larger channels to bring those third party candidates on. Because we've been saying this like for a long time. And I think the only one that's done it has been Jimmy with a large platform. And I think that I think it's going to take getting that push coming from the viewers not so much other people that have shows. But if you want to see who those people are, you're going to see them most likely on smaller channels like Hardlands Media, even though they're bigger than me, but Hardlands Media, my channel, RBN, um, Vanguard brings on third-party candidates. A lot of people don't realize that because they, they think it's just the show that you come to to hear about like juicy gossip, but they bring on third-party candidates and independent candidates as well. Um, I would also say Combo Couch, they've brought on third party candidates. Frank Analysis has done this, like, but it's mainly going to be the smaller ones. And that's the thing. So it's it's unfortunate. But yeah, maybe we should do a panel again this time, maybe not necessarily a summit per se, because along with that summit, we had different set sections where some people talked about the pros of voting and some people talked about the cons of voting. Some people talked about how third parties can work and some people talked about how it can't work. 
So there were different opinions that you got to hear. But I think, you know, it's really obvious that RBN is heavily suppressed because that summit took place for three days, streaming for like 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And more people should have seen that than the ones that did. But a lot of people messaged and said that they didn't even it didn't even show up for them at all, like on YouTube. So I think that's a big part of it. But I think you're going to have to put like that. Ask those other hosts who have those large channels. Ask mm-hmm. them to bring third party candidates on. Do something similar or they could do something similar to like what we did at RBN. Take that same um panel discussion that they did for the progressive candidates and do it for third party candidates. And if people are having difficulty finding third party candidates, you can always contact me. I found all of them on social media and it didn't take me long to find them. All you have to do is find one of them and they'll introduce you to the others. So yeah, there's a little more work that needs to be done there, but so, so I've actually been talking with somebody that I met here on call in, um, about, about putting together something like a voters union, like a, an updated League of Women Voters nonpartisan kind of alliance of, of non-affiliated voters. So that if you don't belong to a particular political party, you've still got somebody advocating for you as a voter kind of and giving you, getting you and it sounds like I, I, I feel very I feel very um, impoverished by the fact that I have just recent more recently discovered RBN and and your show um, because what a what a wealth of of intelligent people who've thought through so many things to a detail level of detail that I'm so impressed by that I'm shocked that there isn't more attention to it, you know, but we're in America. So I guess I'm not that shocked, but that, that, that icky part aside, this is, if there is any way that behind the scenes, I can be helpful in pushing forward something that would make it easier to put it to, to your platform so that it can be, you know, kind of easily plugged into a bigger platform who would, who would, who would take it. I'm, I'm, I'm in for the work if, if you're, if you're in interested. Oh, well, thank you, Amanda. That's, that's really nice. Um, I'm sure you're very busy, so I don't mean to <laughs> add work to your take. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there and this goes for anybody that's listening. Welcome to message me through Colin. I, because I, doing something like you were talking about, you know, the forward party is on, they are on a momentum thing going, right? So getting, getting momentum moving on anything like that needs to be happening now. And there's so much energy. I just feel it. Let's take advantage of it and do something about it. (laughs) Thanks so much for that, Amanda. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, we actually, we noticed something analytics wise, like when we were doing our general strike summit last year, we were getting like, I think at one time we got like 500 subscribers, like in one day when we did that general strike summit and it was three days long. Then after that general strike summit, we just stalled. Like we weren't growing, I think for a couple of months. So it was like general strike was trending, like, and then we just stalled and people were like, we were being heavily suppressed. 
And then it was the summits that really picked us back up in the algorithm. So it seemed like every time we would do a summit, people would discover us again. But yeah, the suppression is a big part of it. Okay, uh, Bide, I'm going to go ahead and take you. You're the next caller. You just have to unmute. Hey, nice to meet you, Sabrina. Um, listen pretty often, but first time caller. Uh, I, I think that the, the running of people like Andrew Yang is directly related to uh, sort of your call for bigger platforms to host some of these third party candidates. Uh, one of the biggest problems with uh, a lot of more left wing politics is it's kind of insular. Uh, we all kind of know the major players already from people like, uh, you know, uh, and I'm not trying to cause controversy by causing calling the wrong people leftists, but, you know, everyone from like the Young Turks to Jimmy Dore to, uh, you know, Brianna Joy Gray and Katie Halper and on and on and on and Revolutionary Blackout Network, you know, like there's, we all kind of know that same circle and it's hard to pop out of that bubble and to get people to care um, outside of that. So you need to also have some kind of access to mainstream channels or ways to get people who are outside of that bubble uh, informed about it. So Andrew Yang, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I admire the fact that he's trying to make third parties more viable. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I get behind all of his policies uh, and I tend to be a lot more left wing than him in a lot of ways, but I think it's absolutely, if he can be someone who can get access to that stage, then going out there and running as a third party needs to be normalized. It needs to be something that people can see. And there were times in, in kind of recent American history where there were pretty viable third party candidates who were running. Um, you know, uh, not Ralph Nader being one of them, but Ross Perot, I think, is a really good example for people to look at. Ross Perot won some, I believe he won some, some of the states when he was running against Bush and Clinton and actually offered something that seemed like a real alternative. And the way, just because he was able to get access to that stage and debate, people started to see a third way. And even today, uh, you know, and it's not quite the third way that I, I would want, but the viability of third parties generally is something that we should all be advocating for. Making them a decision to where they're seen less as like a spoiler vote and more of like a necessary and and important part of a real democratic society. Because you can't have this two-party system where all of the disagreements are based in uh, a lot of manufactured culture wars and whatever and virtue signaling. And all of the agreements are based in things that are really destroying us as a nation, you know, like uh, bailouts for corporations, the, in the, the continued extraction of wealth from the middle and uh, middle and working class, uh, the, the continued increase of spending for the military and for interventionist imperialist politics. And no one bats an eye whenever these votes come around. And the, people are not like, they're not as dumb as we make them out to be or, or the media really makes them out to be. The, it, you can talk to anyone. You can talk to Trump voters and they know they're getting screwed. They know that they're at the bottom of this totem pole of uh, they're not part of the politically elite club. And 
th- this is a really good time to strike with third parties, but there has to be a concentrated effort to get through on mainstream channels because all you need really is like a, uh, to get in front of them and that can lead them to some of these channels that are within our network. Right. Uh, I, I always say this, but I discovered like Brianna Joy Gray from fucking Joe Rogan, right? From when he had uh, the people from Breaking Points on uh, back when they were still on the hill with Rising. And I listened to that. And then that got me into the segments of Rising. And then that led me to Brianna Joy Gray. And that's how I discovered sort of that bubble. Um, so we need, you know, breaking through the mainstream channels is always important. And I think you know, is Andrew Yang the candidate I would choose to do that? Not necessarily, but any big third party candidate who is offering something that looks like a real alternative is worth doing in my book. Thanks so much for that. Um, those are all good points. You're right. I think we do need to break through to these like mainstream channels. And it's hard too because mainstream media, obviously, they either ignore third party candidates or they smear them, right? Like they did with Jill Stein. They called Jill Stein a Russian asset. Um, so it's it's very difficult, I think, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. I think that we need to put pressure on mainstream media. And that's an avenue we haven't really tried yet. I brought this up at the Earth Day rally in Boston. I had a speech there and I said that like we need to be, you know, Yes, protest against these large corporations that are exploiting people. But at the same time, we need to be protesting against the media. We need to have protests outside of CNN locations, outside of Fox News, outside of MSNBC, because they're the reason why a lot of people don't know these third party candidates are running because they control the narrative. They're a big part of the problem. I would say they're the number one part of the problem, to be honest. So that's a big part of it. But it doesn't help when you have like these large platforms like TYT, who also does the same thing. They're not bringing these third party candidates on either. And that's because their goal is to still get you to vote for the Democratic Party, whether it's for progressive or whatever. At the end of the day, their goal is to keep you in the Democratic Party. So I think that there needs to be more pressure like put on those networks. And I think a lot of times it's like, they don't feel that, like you were saying, about that viability of third-party candidates. They don't see that they're viable. And I think we need to show them that they can be. When I look on the local level, third parties actually are winning on the local level. They're winning mayor races. You know, Jesse Ventura was governor of Minnesota. Like, locally, they are winning. And I think when I think about even independent media, there's a lot of focus put on these national elections and not as much put on these local races unless it's someone with a big name recognition that's running. There was a lot of uh, coverage focused on the NYC race, partially because NYC, huge city, but also because Andrew Yang was running. So he was well known. And I think we need to bring the focus back to the local level as well, because that's where a lot of these, some of these politicians that are in Congress came from local politics. Yeah, absolutely. The local level cannot be neglected at all, especially for real sort of electoral organizing. Um, there's there's a ton of stuff that could go on there, whether it's like 
getting involved in local school boards or running for, you know, different, uh, I'm in Chicago, so we have a bunch of different aldermen and different wards that we will run candidates in. Uh, and that, that's, that's a really good way to build actual power. The one thing I will say about like, um, networks like the young Turks and, uh, those, those platforms that are not, uh, you know, platforming third-party candidates is the best way to really, to really, well, the best way to pressure those networks is by creating direct uh, networks that are sort of contrary to that, that, that will platform. Because the, I, I'm a strong believer that the, the will of the people and the, the people want an alternative. They're sick and tired of this. So to, if you are able to basically out meme people or, you know, like really focus on putting a directed message that really hits to the core of exactly the issues that they're going to care about. That's going to force situations along. And you're doing that along with, um, you know, more direct action uh, and, and linking people to that kind of direct action. That's going to, if you can get that basically to go viral, if you can get that to, uh, just get in front of enough people, then that will start to organically take off. And I do think, um, you know, I think breaking points is a good example of that. Uh, now th- there's an argument that breaking points is what it is today because they started on a network that was more mainstreamed by YouTube algorithms, uh, by, uh, you know, sort of more of a, uh, traditional sort of new source network that allowed them to grow as they did. And I think, I think there's a real truth to that too, but I, I think we can be pretty savvy when it comes to memes. And I know it sounds crazy, but honestly, getting stuff like, you know, like TikTok bimbos and all these people who are sort of spreading these ideas and popularizing them and making them cool. I think all of that is good and eventually puts enough pressure to where people can no longer ignore you in the same way that Christian Small's organizing efforts uh, eventually made it to where it had to be a national story in the same way that, uh, you know, Joe Rogan just being an idiot and, you know, like smoking weed and doing whatever on his podcast eventually led to a point to where the media tried to ignore it as long as possible. And these it's now bigger than any of their uh, probably all that media combined. It's, we should we should also push sort of alternate avenues and independent avenues to pressure because if we're waiting on CNN to cover us fairly, then that's not going to happen. But when you have enough pressure and leverage to push, um, you know, a different candidate to where they can't ignore them, that's kind of how Andrew Yang got on stage in the first place. Very, very good points, bud. Very good points. Yeah, uh, breaking points is one of the ones that's on the corporate algorithm. Uh, them and TYT and also Majority Report, Humanist Report, and also National Rational, they're all on National Rational and Humanist Report is a part of the TYT network. So they're all on that corporate algorithm. That's how they get their videos get pushed out like that. And that's why, like, for us, like, a lot of times you really have to dig to find um, our channels. I know some people in particular, have been shadow banned. I know Frank Analysis channel has been shadow banned. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what we're fighting up against is that corporate algorithm. So it's 
it's really tough, but I think you're right. Like we have to find other ways uh, to reach people as well. And RBN, like, I don't know if I've told you guys about this, but you know, part of our plan for this in the beginning was to eventually get to the point where we can go on the road. Like we want to be able to like meet people in person and we want to be able to cover stories, more stories on the ground. We do some of that now with like the protests, but we want to be able to cover more stories on the ground. But again, that all that requires funding, all that requires like money. Right. And everybody would need to have enough funding to the point that people could quit their jobs and just focus on this a hundred percent full time. But yeah, all good points. Thank you so much for calling in by guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, interesting uh, discussion here. We'll see what happens with Andrew Yang. Um, I will be live tonight, uh, on my channel at 8 PM Eastern standard time. And we're also going to talk about, um, this whole issue with Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom have now apparently been handpicked to be the next, the next big thing. So we're going to talk about that tonight as well as other stories as well. But thank you guys so much for listening in and have a good day.